break this apart a little bit. And I mentioned earlier that in a lot of our communities, a lot of the, thing, a lot of the groups where we repeatedly meet and we share parts of our lives, there are some things missing that God intended for us to have. Let me tell you what he intends for you to have in community. First of all, comfort and encouragement. James 5.13, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. God gears us for unity, not just from what we can get from it, but for what we can give into it. Right? He calls us to walk with people because he knows there's things that we need and other people will be able to minister to those needs. But he knows that there's things that we have in here that we can give and minister. And if we are not willing to walk with others, then, then we never get to reveal his heart to them. Right? So walking in community, unity is not just about what we can receive, but it's about what we can sow into it. And in verse 513, it reminds me of this like, uh, you know, when we, we were playing football, coaches would always, I was, I was a defensive end, which is really, I'm small, so it's really weird to think about, but we were in a small school, so our school was this big. No, um, so we, we um, the, the coach, coach Davis, he would always say, you know, at, lining up on the end, he would say, all right, Shaw, head on a swivel, head on a swivel. And I was like, I had to ask someone, what does coach mean? I don't, I don't understand what that means. I'm like, right, coach, I'll do it. What does that mean? I don't want to do this wrong. What does it mean, swivel? I don't get it. And so coach had to set me aside and explain to me, always, eyes open, always looking around. Always, you've got an assignment to do here, but there's a lot of other stuff happening, and you have to be aware. You have to be situationally aware. And verse 13, he's saying, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Head on a swivel, people. Looking around, is anyone here in trouble? Can you see it? Can you spot it? And if so, can you go to them and you, can you say, hey, let's pray. Let's pray. I see something happening and I don't want it to happen to you. So can we pray? Um, and, and then is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Every prayer and every praise that you offer in this community makes a difference. It's impactful. It's impactful. So as I, I, thank you, Adrian, for, for really dialing us in this morning on what it is we're doing in worship what it is that we're offering up, the raising of our hands, the, 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 the singing of, of the, the goodness of God, the declaration of our faith in song, every praise that we offer, even if you're not feeling it, if someone next to you is, and they begin to offer that up from their heart, it breaks something in you that's keeping you held back. That's why, is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. But yeah, every prayer and every praise that we offer adds to the whole, and it makes an impact on the community. We're not just here to get our own needs met. We're here because there's something inside of us that when we release it, it breaks other people into freedom. So release it. Don't just leave it hidden inside. Intercession and covering, the next thing, next verses, James 5, 14 and 15, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. We are more. God's, God's idea is that we would be more than just a social community. That we would be, yes, we want to be social. We want to be there for one another. We want to hang out with each other. We want to break bread together. We want to go places together. We want to see each other and be happy about it. That's awesome. 
But God has called us for more than that. We're a social community, but he's asked us to be a community of prayer. And as a part of a Christ-centered community, we believe in prayer enough to make it not only a daily part of our individual lives, but a regular part of our corporate life. We agree that the power of prayer is real. We agree that as we gather together and as we lift up uh, the Lord, as we, as we raise him up and as we, uh, as we pray and intercede for one another, we believe that God's there and he's moving in our midst. He's making things happen. And that's what it means. That's the difference between being a social community and being a Christ-centered community is that if, if you're in need of intercession, if you're in need of covering, that you can find it, that there's an umbrella and you can run under it and get out of the rain. So the next thing that we find that sometimes is missing from other communities is forgiveness and acceptance. James 5, 15 and 16, if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Isolation has made confession kind of a lost discipline in our culture. We spend so long away from everybody else. Uh, pastor Bill Hart, my pastor, my father-in-law, my pastor for three years, used to say, man, everybody's perfect when they're by themselves. <laughs> it's so true. You guys are perfect when you're by yourself. It's only when you get around other people that you find out, oh, maybe I messed up. Maybe I... Maybe I'm, I was doing that wrong, or maybe there's something in my heart that doesn't need to be there. You know, it's only when we're around other people that we really, that friction brings out the stuff that's really in us. Isolation makes confession unnecessary because we're not around anybody to sin against. And we're certainly not going to out ourselves for sinning. If we're all by ourselves, that would be silly. And so as part of a community of, that is following Jesus together, we trust and we're vulnerable, which makes honest confession possible. And if we want to be forgiven, we need to confess. That's the process. So we believe in the healing power of prayer and we trust the brothers and sisters that he's called us to walk with to love us and to pray for us to intercede. And we know, <laughs> verse 15 says, if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. This should be a place where people can walk in the door. And if they, even if they know, yeah, I'm not living right, they don't think that they can't come back, right? That's the difference between the Christ-centered community and so many other communities that we belong to. If we've done wrong, we feel like, well, we can't, I'm canceled there. I can't go back. That's not the case here. That's not the case here. Another thing and it seems like, uh, like James is taking a little bit of a side note here. Like he's talking about all these things and he said, oh, by the way, Elijah, remember that thing he did? He prayed and then it rained and then he didn't pray and then it rained. It's like, Woo, Elijah. Anyway, back to community. No, he, this, is about, this is about what we find in community. James 5, 16 and 18, when we enter into a Christ-centered community, we find history and we create legacy. Elijah as we enter into a Christ-centered community of believers, his story is now a part of our story. His example is something that we can learn from. And it's something that we can pass on to someone else. 
says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it wouldn't rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. So with Jesus at the center, we're connected to all who came before him in the faith and to all who are going to come after us in the faith. We are part of something grander and bigger than just the number of people we can fit in this room, even in two services. You know? We're part of something bigger. We have a history. We have a spiritual history, and we have a spiritual legacy we're leaving after us. So we can be inspired by the victories. That's pretty neat. But just knowing that, okay, a man of faith who had his problems, you know, he, he prayed, and the Lord heard him and responded. And it was his faith that moved something on the earth. Listening to that victory makes me encouraged that, okay, I belong to that lineage. I, have that, I can have that same faith. I can have that same relationship with God. I can also pray, and, and I can partner with God and see, see change happen on the earth. But we can also take comfort in knowing that, okay, well, Elijah... Or whoever else we want to mention from the Bible. There's all sorts of people we can mention from the Bible that had victories, but also messed up pretty big. And I can take comfort in knowing, oh, wait, wait, they messed up? God still used them? There is hope for me. God can use me too. He created me. He can use me. He wants to move through me. So I can be inspired by Elijah's victories. I can also take comfort in knowing that he was just a person, just like I'm a person. He wasn't perfect. I'm not perfect, but Hebrews 6.12 says that we need to imitate those who through faith and patience inherited what was promised. I may not get it right all the time, but I can see what they did before me and I can imitate that. Last thing in this passage here, things that we find in our Christ-centered community that are sometimes missing from other places, guidance and belonging. 5, 19 through 20 says, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. We are not just here to receive. James is pretty clear that being a part of a Christ-centered community, you get to receive a lot. There's a lot of benefit in it for you. There's a lot of benefit in it for me. But that's not the reason, that's not the whole reason to belong. We're not just looking out for our own interests. In Christ-centered community, we are aware of one another. Safe, seen, loved. That is what Christ-centered community is all about, a place where you can come in and belong, a place where you can feel safe, where you know that someone is going to see you. There's too many places that we go to where it doesn't even seem to matter. Why am I here? Nobody notices me. You know? Do I even make a difference? This, is, this needs to be a place where people can come in and be reminded you matter. You make a difference. I see you. And I love you even if you don't think that I should. <laughs> like God says to me, like, I see you, Darren. I love you anyway. You know? <laughs> How refreshing that is to hear. I see you. I saw what you just did. You know what? I love you anyway. So in Christ-centered community, we're aware of one another. 
and we're connected close enough to notice if someone is wandering. And then we not only notice, we care enough to embrace them and guide them back because this is where they belong. Not necessarily, you know, in the church or whatever, in, in, in this room, as a part of this campus. They belong with the Lord. They belong with the Lord. And so in a Christ-centered community, we see people, we notice them, and we care enough to go get them when it looks like they're wandering off path and bring them back to where they belong, which is in the presence of Jesus. Now, verse 20, you read verse, verse 20 again. Remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. It gets like heavy right there at the end. And it can seem like it's a bit of a downer, ending on a negative note, but I think it's, it's actually, it's so encouraging because James is trying to rally the troops here. He's trying to summon us all to embrace mutual responsibility, embrace the role that we have for sustaining and renewing the fellowship of Christ. He's saying, if anyone turns a brother or sister back to the Lord, they've saved them from something. I mean, that's, that's, that's marching orders right there. That's, uh, this is what you should be doing. Head on a swivel, looking around. Who can you minister to today? Who's in need? Ask the Lord to reveal it to you. So what James is, is summoning us to is a community of confession and of faith and of forgiveness and of healing, a community that restores us to God, that restores us to God. And it offers tremendous benefits, but it's, it, it also costs us something. I mean, so first of all, before we get into costs, who wants those benefits? Yes, all right. Okay, now we're going to talk about costs. All right. And only five easy payments. No. So it requires some things of us. And it requires things of us because it's what people are so unwilling to do in the natural world. The things of the Spirit cost. The things of the Spirit require us to come up out of ourselves, right? So the first thing community requires, this kind of community, community requires conviction. Conviction. Do we believe that this is worth it? Do we believe that God has this plan for us? That God has this plan for anybody who's willing to surrender to him? Do, do we believe that God has called us to minister in this way to one another and to be vulnerable enough to allow someone else to minister into our lives? Do we believe it? Because it requires conviction. We have to make an investment. If we say, oh, that's a great thing, but we're not willing to make an investment, then it's just words. It's just words. It's just empty language. Um, Thomas Carlyle said, conviction is worthless unless it's converted into conduct. It's great to say, I believe that, I believe that, I believe that. If it doesn't change the way that we walk, if it doesn't change the way we approach things, if it doesn't change our action, then it was a really well-spoken sentence. And that's about it. 
Conviction's worthless unless it's converted into conduct. So if we believe, if we have this conviction that Christ-centered community really is the answer for us, then it'll change the way we walk. It'll change the way we see people. Second thing, community requires commitment. Commitment. We have to be willing to be inconvenienced. (laughs) Crises never happen on our schedule, right? It would be wonderful if people called me only during these particular hours when I'm free and a little bored and said, I have a crisis. It does not work that way. It doesn't work that way. (laughs) We have to be willing to be inconvenienced. We have to be willing to put our money where our mouth is and say, yes, I believe in this strongly enough that I had plans for this in this moment or today or whatever. But seeing... Christ revealed in our community is actually a little bit more important. So I'm, I'm going to put that on hold, and I'm going to sow into this. Okay? We have to show up sometimes, even when we don't feel like it. Speaking specifically about 9 a.m. service. We're going to show up. We're going to show up, even when we don't feel like it sometimes. Uh, and never underestimate the value of just showing up sometimes. You can't be used if you can't be there. It's all this, these principles, right? Never underestimate the value of just showing up because if you will make yourself present and if you'll surrender yourself to God and say, well, I dragged myself up here. God, what do you want to do? Even that, he'll do something. He'll do something and you'll see why it was worth it that you dragged yourself out of bed that morning or you Went up to, you know, you went to go meet somebody in this particular place, or you went to go uh, check out this person's game or support them in this, uh, this activity that they're doing, you know, that you went to group that night, even though you didn't feel like it. I know everybody always feels like going to group, Pam. <laughs> or cleaned your house for group. Sometimes cleaning your house, even when you don't feel like it, like, all right, Lord, I'm going to clean this. <sighs> do what you want to do, and he'll do something. He'll do something. Mm. Uh, there was a, a football player um, for University of Tennessee, Inkeris Johnson, who said this, commitment is doing what you said you would do long after the mood that you set it in has left you. That's commitment. Doing the thing you said you would do after you just don't feel like it. Whew, man. And some might say, well, I better not say stuff then. No, it's fine. You should still say stuff. <laughs> but you should also follow it up. So it requires conviction, requires commitment. Last thing, community requires communion. Communion. What do I mean by communion? I mean sharing yourself with other people and allowing them to share themselves with you. There's a lot of social communities we can belong to and the level of depth of those communities varies. What Jesus is calling us to is communion with one another and with him. Fellowship in Christ and fellowship through Christ. That's what he's calling us to. And we can't hold back. We can't say, Jesus, you can have all of me except this. You can have all of me except this. I'm willing to give over all of myself except the stuff that I'm really not wanting to give over. It requires vulnerability with others. It requires us to give something of ourselves. We have to be, reve- we have to be willing to reveal something of our hearts. We have to be willing to put ourselves out there to pray for someone. 
We have to be willing to speak up when we see something happening. We have to be willing to take steps to go after somebody who looks like they just might need somebody to go after. We need to be willing to lift somebody else up. And when we do that, we see communion walked out and lived out. Fellowship and community is more than just meeting on Sundays. I talk a lot about two steps beyond Sunday, right? Fellowship and communion is also more than just sitting in a group. You can sit in a group. Doesn't necessarily mean that you're open to have communion with people. You can sit in McDonald's all day long, doesn't make you a hamburger, right? Just being there <laughs> doesn't mean that you've been changed, right? Just being in the room is a part of it. But being in the room and opening up yourself and revealing something of your heart, even just a little bit more than you could last time. I'm not asking everybody to be just like open book all over the place, you know, just hot mess in the room. And that's not what I'm asking. But open just a little bit more than you might have been last time. Willing to take a little bit of an emotional risk. Willing to step out in faith just a little bit more. That's what the Lord's asking of us. Because it's a long walk. It's a long walk. And part of the adventure is the growth. So fellowship and community is more than just meeting on Sundays. It's more than just sitting in a group. But when you have this type of community that James is talking to us about, and I believe what James is talking about is something that we see here. We're not perfect in Christ-centered community because we're, just, we're people, we're growing, we're learning, but I don't think that we're avoiding this type of community that James is talking about. I feel like it's what we want. I feel like it's where our vision is headed, Christ-centered community where we can be who he created us to be and help others to be who God created them to be where we're willing to be vulnerable, willing to share. So I'm going to come back to the same three questions that we started with, but I want you to think about this community that we belong to here. Number one, who do you call when you need someone to pray for you? A lot of you can probably, you can picture that person's face right here when we think about this community. Who do you tell when you're dealing with a sin that you need to confess? Again, if you've been here any length of time, you probably have somebody that you can think of. And third, who do you trust to find you and bring you back when you wander from the truth? So God designed us to desire these kinds of things and to find them in community. And that's why he brings you here. That's why he brings us together. He plants us so that we can practice walking this stuff out. And as we learn to walk these things out better together here, it affects how we walk things out in every other community that we belong to. And that is the end game, right? This is, this is amazing. What we have here and what God wants us to have here as far as community goes is amazing. It's life-giving. It's built and sustained by Jesus. And what he wants is for us to walk that out here in such a way that we can't help but walk it out in every other community that we belong to. Because his heart is for those people who don't know what this feels like.